everyone. How are you all? Oh, look, I looked out and there's a row of Rev. Woohoo! Um, that's exciting. I didn't see that before. When you're at the front, you don't see what's happening and all the people who sneak in uh, during the first song. Uh, how are we all this morning? Are you all excited to hear from me? <laughs> you didn't know, so this is a bit of a shock. But um, I uh, just want to start with this quote. No one can expect us to love them flawlessly, but we can love them fearlessly, ferociously and unreasonably. I just want us to pray. God, we just um, thank you for who you are, for your great sacrifice of love on the cross for us. And we just ask that you come. I ask that you speak through me this morning. I ask that, Holy Spirit, you come and move in our hearts. May we uh, be convicted in the most loving way this morning. Um, Just help us as we grow to be more like you. Uh, We ask this in your mighty name. Amen. Okay, you guys may not know this about me because, you know, I'm pretty flawless myself, (laughs) you know, don't have anything I really need to work on. Um, But one of uh, probably my weaknesses is that I am super defensive. So (laughs) I don't know what it is. I'm going to say it's because I grew up with brothers and so felt like I always having to play the defence because they would gang up on me or more likely, not Dan and Nath, but we grew up with our our family, the Weymouth family and um, when we moved to Tassie when I was 10, me and Jenny were the same age and Nathan and Peter were the same age and look, we experienced a lot at the hands of Nathan and Peter. Look, I gave a lot but I did experience a lot, not just that, but there was like the Weymouth house was in the courtyard. Next door was like another boy and another boy, Alan and Craig. And they like, honestly, so I feel like I can justify my defense mechanism, but I am very defensive about it. In fact, yesterday when I spoke to Sam in the car about this, uh, I was like, oh, I need to come up with a story about being defensive. Is there a funny story? And he's like, it's not something you really is funny. And then I got defensive about that and was like, what do you mean? Like, you're not helping me. You're meant to help me. And he's like, you're being defensive right now. Anyway, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. But I am trying to consciously not be so defensive. I think since being in a relationship and getting married, it's something that I'm like, okay, actually my husband isn't trying to attack me when he's trying to say nice things or help improve, uh, maybe correct me on some things that I need correction on. Actually, he's just being loving. So it is something I am making a conscious effort to try and change. It's a bit harder than what I thought because I'm 41. So it's inbred and I just need to work on it. But I'm going to... Inbred? Maybe the... Ingrained. I say lots of things wrong, but we're going to let that slide today. Thank you. But I'm talking about this because... I want you to come, I don't know what your initial reaction to things are, but today's message is one that is quite confronting. And we can sit here today and 
it's easy to get defensive. It's easy to uh, shove it off, say it's not me and they deserve it, blah, blah, blah. But instead of reacting and becoming defensive, I'm just asking that maybe this morning we take a breath, soak it in, and do as the Scripture says in Psalms 139, it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That is a, a very confronting prayer. God, this morning I ask that God reveals to us ways that we may be living a life that's maybe not in the light and lead us towards a life of fullness and everlasting life. The other thing I want you to take into consideration this morning and make sure we, we want to come not in defensiveness, but in a loving way that God's kind of look at correcting us because we're His children and He desires to see us live in fullness of life. But also, I want us to remember that we are covered by grace. That actually, this is fitting that today we're, we're talking um, this message because we just come from Easter, the celebration of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And this is just the great victory um, and that we are covered by this grace. Because of the cross, because of the victory of the cross, we too have been made victorious because of Jesus. Sin no longer has a hold on us. And I want you in the same breath of remembering that this, uh, not to be defensive, to remember that grace has set us free. Yep, you're with me on that this morning? You agree to that this morning? Because I've been confronted this week and I want you to know that. I'm on this journey right with you. Um, so I want you to also know, um, I believe that though this message is confronting, what I've got to say today, what the Lord has got to speak through me, it can change us and it has the power to change the world. Over the next two weeks, we are looking at the message of 1 John. Now, I want to give you a little bit of insight into 1 John, just a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to go too in-depth. But 1 John is in a series of letters, but actually, it's actually not written in the form of a letter. It's more of a poetic sermon. And if you read through 1 John, you will see, which you should do, because it's really easy to read and it's very small. So if you want to start anywhere, start with 1 John, that's easy. Um, but it actually has no new information. It has the same key ideas and words of Jesus' teachings throughout the Gospel of John. So we're not looking at anything new. It's a rehash of ideas that were already presented in the Gospel of John through the ministry and the working of Jesus. Now, there are two core ideas. If we're looking at it, we can look at it like a two-part sermon. Um, and there's two points, that God is light and God is love. So, with that in mind, let's read together 1 John 2, 3 to 11. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, 
That person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say we live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims I'm living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blindsided by the darkness. Confronting, yes. In these verses... John is repeating the greatest commandment that Jesus gave, that we are to love one another. He's saying that to love one another is to walk in the light. And in this verse, these verses, he particularly talks about loving a fellow believer. Now, we are called to love our neighbours. We're called to love everyone. But specifically here, John emphasises that we are called to love fellow believers. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Sometimes we talk about loving. It's sometimes easy to love those we don't know. We can be like, we love them because they don't irritate us and they're not friends and I can love the neighbour. Cool, I'll give them a wave and I'll say hi as I walk down the street. But sometimes it is harder to love those that we are actually in relationship with. And in fact, um, John, not Paul, John makes a radical statement here. If we say we have a personal relationship with Jesus, however, hold hate in our hearts for a fellow believer, then we are in fact living in darkness. How can we say that we have a personal relationship with Jesus if we hold any sort of resentment, hate, bitterness, anger, towards someone else of faith. These two things come hand in hand. Relationship with Jesus equals loving people. Love God, love others. Confronting, yes. In order for us to truly look at this and what it means to live in the light, I want us to first take some time to look at the darkness. One of the things that I believe holds us back from loving our fellow believers is unforgiveness and bitterness. In Hebrews 12, 14 to 15, it says this, Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now, the chatter in my head when I hear this message usually goes something like this. 
But what about those who have offended me? What about those who have honestly, who are just super annoying and just don't get it? That aren't on the same page as me and they just don't get it. What about the person who has talked badly about me? Who's done wrong by me? Who has hurt me and purposely attacked and slandered me? Or maybe worse, there are times when I just justify my actions by telling myself that my bitterness is nothing in comparison to the person sitting next to me. I start to compare. Oh, that person is way worse than I am. But I'm here to tell you this, that even if you ask yourself those questions and even if, yes, people have slandered you and people have hurt you and people have talked badly about you, that it doesn't stop the fact that the message is still the same. Jesus still says we are to love one another. See, bitterness is defined as anger or disappointment at being treated unfairly or to have resentment. I don't know about you, but I've been bitter. In fact, only this week I've held disappointment against a fellow believer, if I'm honest with you. And I think most of us can relate. There's times when maybe I've only held on to that bitterness for you know, I'm just going to come up with a number, a minute, <laughs> where something just aggravates me in a conversation and I hold on to it and then I release it. But there are other times I've got to tell you that I've held on to bitterness for years, where I've felt there's been injustice, where people have wronged me and never admitted that they've wronged me and I've held on to that for a long time, and I maybe don't admit it because I'm stubborn at times too. There's the other thing. I'm defensive and stubborn. Um, we're getting real today. Uh, and, I, and I've held on to it. So it can be just for a little bit or it can be for a really long time. But my question to you is, who is your bitterness hurting? Because I'm going to make a bold statement, and it's probably not that bold, but I'm going to call it bold, and say that in my experience, the only person your anger, resentment, disappointment is, is in hurting yourself. Usually, most of the time, people don't know that you're angry at them. Because you know what, you hear something and you talk about it at your own house, or you talk about it amongst your friends, or... You know, they've done something and you've just held on to it and you're frothing in your head. You're so angry about it. Frothing? <laughs> oh, whatever. We're going to go with it this morning, right? Uh, and they have no idea, no idea that you feel that way about them. So instead of hurting them, it hurts you. It brings darkness into your life. And I don't know about you, but I want to live a, light, a life in the light. I want to claim the victory of the cross and I want to pursue holiness, holy living, and I want to live a full life. See, John is telling us how to do that. At the beginning of 1 John, what I read before, it says this in 5 and 6, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. 
But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. In the Bible knowledge commentary, it says this. On the other hand, obedience to God's word results in a rich and full experience of God's love. I want a rich and full life. Are we okay? Confronting, yes. But I'm going to keep going because it goes, it gets deeper. In order to free ourselves of this bitterness, of the hurt, of the disappointment, we need to forgive. Just as Christ forgave us. And that's not always easy. Especially in those cases where the individual hasn't come and asked for forgiveness, haven't admitted the wrong, haven't acknowledged what they've done. But we are called to take the lead of Jesus. And like he did, forgiving even when the person doesn't earn it or deserve it. Maybe you're sitting here saying, but I've tried to forgive. I've tried to let go. And then it just keeps coming back. I want to tell you a story about a woman and her name is Corey Ten Boom. I don't know if you know her, but she's amazing. I, don't, I mean, you're not going to know her personally, uh, but you may have read about her. She has many a books. But she um, actually, a few, a few books. One called The Hiding Place. If you would like to read it, it's a very good um, book. It's very good. I'm a, I go to a book club. You can, I'm going to tell you, I very rarely read the books. I used to be a good reader, not so much anymore. I'm really about confessing this morning. Um, but um, so basically, Corey Ten Bloom um, was, her and her family helped Jewish people escape Nazis during the Holocaust. She actually built uh, a a wall in her house and um, had families who were escaping um, in that wall. There's stories of the fact that there was these um, cards, these food cards that you went and got that gave you your portion, your ration. Um, And you could only get the number that was the family in your house. And she went one day. I don't know why. This is not something I I just feel like I need to tell you because she's amazing. Um, But she went one day and they asked her, how many food cards do you need? And she said she went to say four. And instead of saying four, she said a hundred. And they gave her a hundred food cards. And that's how she could feed the people in her house. Anyway, after a little while, she was caught. She was discovered, her and her family. And she was sent to a concentration camp. Her and her sister. But, side note, The people in her house, they never found. So they were hiding behind this makeshift wall when the people, I'm going to say police, but it wasn't police. I don't know what they were called, uh, Nazis. (laughs) Um, When they came and went into the house, they actually didn't find the families that were hiding that she was, isn't that amazing? Anyway, it gets even better. Well, it's not really great at the moment because she's in a concentration camp, but it does get better. Um, In the concentration camp, actually, um, her sister uh, died in the concentration camp. And then not long after that, 
Corey Ten Bloom was released from the concentration camp. And it actually was a clerical error. Like some error occurred and she was released when she shouldn't have been released. A week later, everyone in her age group was sent to the gas chambers and she survived. That's like phenomenal. Like not phenomenal that those people died, but phenomenal that she, she lived outside of this. And she made it her mission. She was a Christian woman to go and preach about forgiveness And she actually said that um, she would take up preaching gigs everywhere and then she said she would never go back to Germany. She wouldn't do it. But she was convicted and she got invited to come and speak in Munich at a little church and she took up the invitation and she was speaking about the power of forgiveness. And as she was speaking, she looks out into the crowd and there was a guard I don't know why that makes me, yeah. There was a guard from the concentration camp that actually was like pivotal in the death of her sister. And he, since being at that concentration camp, had an experience of Jesus and came to faith. And he walked at the end of her preach, he walked up to her and she said she could tell that he had no idea who she was. And he said to her, I heard you spoke that you were in this concentration camp. I was a guard at this concentration camp and I've been wanting to speak to someone who was there and ask for my forgiveness. Like she was taken aback. She had been preaching everywhere about the power of forgiveness. And she's like, in this moment, I didn't know what to do. He extended his hand out to me and nothing in my body desired to extend a hand back. But I prayed and I asked the Holy Spirit to help and I extended out my hand and something like a rush came over my body and I felt freedom and I could forgive in that moment. What a message, like a testament. Anyway, that's just, this is something that she says. And I I tell her story because, man, She's someone I want to uh, model a life <laughs> around. She can forgive in some of the worst circumstances. She says, forgiveness is not one moment in time, but often a choice you make. I compare, this is her speaking, not myself. I compare forgiveness to letting go of a bell rope. On a, um, you know how there's these big bells that people ring? Yeah. I just want to make sure everyone understands the bell rope. Um, Forgiveness is letting go of the rope. It's just that simple. But when you do, the bell keeps ringing. Momentum is still at work. However, if you keep your hands off the rope, the the bell will begin to slow and eventually stop. I think sometimes we think it's one moment in time. We ask for forgiveness, we, we seek it, and then it's all washed anew. And it is washed anew. But I think there's something in the fact that then we might wake up the next day and there's still feelings there. We still might experience some residue of it. And then we're like, well, I prayed already. And I, what am I, like, I've asked for forgiveness. Why is it still lingering? 
And then I think that can happen a few times and then we just give up. We stop asking. We still experience and sit in it. But what she's saying is so profound. Actually, if we choose not to put our hand back on the rope, if we continue to just say, when those feelings come back, maybe tomorrow or the next day, we pray yet again and we choose not to take them up, but instead keep our hands down, then actually there will come a time when the bell stops ringing. And we will be free. And I know this because I've experienced this. We're actually, some of the hurt that I've experienced or people in this room may have experienced is, it's tough and it's hard and it's heartbreaking. And it doesn't just take one moment in time for that um, restoration to occur. It may take over and over. But let's be people that don't put our hands back on the rope. To love like Jesus To forgive like Jesus, that is the radical, unreasonable love that can change this world. I just want to invite the band back. I just felt this while we were there. I had in here a pause. I feel like I'm copying Sam, but I don't mean to. Just this is the way the Lord spoke. I just feel like maybe we need to search ourselves for a moment. I have more. We'll get there. We'll get to the light. But I just think in this moment, I just want us to spend time just in ourselves. I'm not asking you to stand up and make a confession. I'm not asking you to... I'm just asking that you might sit and pause for a moment and ask yourself these questions. Who might I need to forgive today? Do I need to let go of some bitterness that is keeping me from being in the light? Maybe I've already today spoken badly about someone in this community or, you know, someone. Maybe I just need to sit in the moment and ask forgiveness of that. And I, I want us to sing the song House of Miracle, I didn't know the name of it. Because it says, I lay everything at the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracle. I believe that there can be freedom here this morning. That there's some people maybe that need to just take their hands off that rope. That we need to search ourselves and see if there's any offensive way about us and ask Jesus to give us everlasting life. And so I want us just, I'm not even wanting us to stand. Well, you can do what you want, but I'm just asking us to close our eyes, focus just on ourselves for this moment. And let's, as we just sing through this song once, ask, say that prayer, search me, O Lord. Reveal anything that I may be holding on to that I need to let go of this morning. So I'm just going to ask that we do that. Let's, let's just do that. If you could bow your heads and let's ask the Lord to search us. We, I believe there'll be freedom this morning. just thank you that there is freedom in you. 
we thank You that um, You have shown us what it is to love one another, that You have shown us that forgiveness uh, is found and can be sought um, and that, that there is victory in Your Name. And we ask for You to continue to work in us, Jesus, that if there is anything that means we are walking in darkness, that God, You reveal it to us so that we may live fullness of life in Your light. We thank You that You love us so immensely that You don't desire us to remain the same, but You you desire us to live full lives. Continue to work in our hearts right now, Jesus. Continue to reveal things to us, Jesus, so that we may experience your joy. We ask this in your mighty name. Amen. Now, I want to just lead you to the next thing. Yes, there is more. And this, I think, is the most confronting of them all. Now, we can forgive and we can forget. And we can make choices where we're like, hey, well, you know what? I'm going to forgive that person for what they've done, but I just don't want them part of my life anymore. That's healthy in a lot of ways. But maybe they come to church with us and we just avoid them on a Sunday. We just choose to keep our separation. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus asked something more of us. Probably the most challenging thing he asks us. He asks us to take it a step further. He asks us to show love. Love. 